I'm glad to be here. We have had so much fun. It has been such a blessing to be able to be here, to be with y'all's youth this weekend. I do want to send uh, a hearty welcome from the believers down in Horn Lake, Mississippi, down there at Calvary Baptist Church, uh, our church home. So they, they want to greet you and say hello. But uh, it has been a special, special treat to be able to be here, to be able to worship along with fellow saints, to be able to praise our risen Savior uh, this weekend and especially this morning. What a great time and what a great, great blessing uh, and honor it surely is. So uh, I am Matt King, as uh, Jacob has let us know. They call me Big Mac. That is my name. It is okay. I come with special sauce. I promise you that. Uh, I am a little bit different. I am not the same, but I know what I am, and I am redeemed. God has done a work in me. Uh, so I praise Him for that. And I am truly honored to be able to be here this morning. I was truly honored to be able to work with this group of people right here. Church, I want you to look around. I want you to look in the center. I want you to look up front this morning. I want you to understand something. All these people in these gray shirts are the future of this body of believers. They are the future of this body of believers. Sometimes we fail to realize that. Sometimes we fail to see that. When we look at their youth, when we look at, man, they say different words. I am not, I don't even know what dog water means. I don't. But they do. Love them. Love them. You are their example. They are members of your body. Love them. This morning, I'm going to ask y'all if you would open up your Bibles. And our text that we find this morning is going to be from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to be right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. One. Now, I am going to do my absolute very best to get you out of here in a timely manner. I promise you that. I am. I understand that if I preach for 20 minutes, the church will absolutely love me. I get it. But if I preach for an hour, you're probably not going to ask me to come back anymore. And I've had a great time this weekend. So we are going to do the best. Jacob, you may need to put some deacons up front with squirt guns. I don't know. And if just time gets by, just let them have it. But anyways, we, our text that we are going to be reading, the text that we have found is going to be right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, I will go ahead and read that for us. And as I read that, we will read it and then we will pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's something neat about the Bible. I don't know if y'all know this. I like to give out interesting facts. The kids can definitely tell you that. Every book of the Bible that starts with the letter T is all together. They're literally right there. Boom, five of them. There's no other ones. So you literally have a T section in your Bible if you're having trouble finding Thessalonians. They're all right there. Here's what God's Word says. Paul, Sylvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians... In God the Father and the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before God, before our God and Father, your works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers loved by God that He has chosen you. Let us pray, church. Father, we come before you this morning. God, we are dependent. Lord, we are dependent upon you. God, I pray this morning that as we open your word, Lord, as we open your special revelation, God, that you have given to us, Lord, that as it goes forth, that as it goes out, God, that you would change us. God, that you would show us grace. God, that you would grant us faith. Lord, a faith that produces obedience in our lives. Lord, let your word change us today. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. So this morning... As we have looked at this text, and as I've been talking to the the youth for the past couple of nights, the first thing we need to do is what, youth? We got to what? Make sure what bowl we're licking, right? What bowl are we licking right here? So the way that we're going to do that this morning, and here's a neat little thing. If you guys don't know, if you don't, can't find out what's happening in one of these epistles, Did you know that Acts is literally like a handy-dandy guide to what's going on in each of the epistles? Did y'all know that? You can read about what's happening in those places in the book of Acts. So this morning, we need to find our context. We need to understand the reason that this letter is being written. Why is this letter being written to this church? Why is this letter being written to these brothers that are loved by God? here in Thessalonica. So this morning, I'm going to flip over to Acts chapter 17. You guys do not have to do that, but if you do, it's just like literally a couple flips that away. It's not far. Acts chapter 17 tells us the context. It tells us what has gone on right here in Thessalonica. Now this is Paul, and he has been on a missionary journey. And watch what it says. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great 
many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, that sounds bad, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. This was Paul and Silas. And they have come in to the town of Thessalonica. And I want us to see something. How long were they there? How long did this take? Scripture tells us they reasoned for three Sabbath days. How long is that, guys? Y'all know? Three weeks. Three weeks. They reasoned for three weeks, and that was enough. A mob was formed, and it ran them out of town. But I want us to notice something. I want us to get something straight as we look through this right here. I want us to notice that Paul used Scripture. Paul used God's Word to reason and explain the Gospel in this synagogue. He didn't use his own words. Only God's Word can bring forth life. Only God's Word can bring forth life. There is no power in the words of man. Church, this is the exact same way that we must proclaim Christ. We must do it through His Word. Amen? We proclaim Christ through His Word. Second thing I want us to see right here. Second thing. I want us to notice that the gospel that was proclaimed here in Thessalonica is the same gospel that we must proclaim today. It has not changed. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and die to satisfy the wrath of God for the sin of all men that will believe. It was necessary for Christ to suffer. The wrath of God had to be satisfied for sinful man. It was necessary for Christ to rise, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And it is necessary that we proclaim Jesus Christ as the one and only Redeemer. He is the only one that brings about redemption. We must understand this. Church, these things have not changed and these things cannot change. We proclaim Christ through Scripture alone. Through God's Word. It is what works in the heart of man. It's God's Word, not ours. Our gospel is not our gospel. It's God's gospel. We don't get to change that. 
church, we must do it the same way they did then. These things never change. So Paul, he's reasoned for three weeks inside this synagogue, and many have believed. A mob has formed. This mob has run them out of town. Now about a year later, Paul is writing a letter back to the people of Thessalonica to encourage them. And not only just to encourage them, but to instruct them. Now that's what I want to do this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. That is why I picked this letter. Because Paul is writing this to encourage this body of believers. To encourage them to continue doing, to continue what they are doing. As this letter opens, in 1 Thessalonians, we'll turn back. As it opens, what we see is Paul, and he is giving thanks and praise to God for the work that God has done in them. Paul has given thanks to God for the work that he has done inside of them. For the gifts that he has given him. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that God has given them, and if you're taking notes, I'm sorry, I did not get you anything on the board. If you're taking notes, write this down. God has given them a faith that works. They have works because of their faith. Do y'all see it right there in Scripture? That's what he says. He says, bearing before, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. Now check this out. There are lots of different types of ofs. There are. But I want us to understand something. This is a because of, right? You could literally take the word because, stick it in there, and you do not hurt the integrity of Scripture at all. Because of your faith, there is works, right? Paul is not thinking here of a work, which is faith. Faith is not a work. Ephesians 2, we know what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. This is a what? A gift of God, not a result of works. Faith is a gift. Church, faith is an outstretched hand. It is a look at a crucified Savior. Faith is saying, I cannot work for no work of mine is ever sufficient, is ever good enough to rescue a sinner like me. Nothing I do is ever good enough. What Paul is communicating here is that true faith is always accompanied. It's accompanied by 
works. Faith is receiving and resting in the righteousness of God. Faith alone is the instrument of our justification. Faith alone is the tool God has used to justify us. By faith alone, we are declared righteous before a holy God. Yet faith is not alone in the person that is justified. We're justified by faith alone, but faith is not alone in the person that is justified. Do y'all see that? I know that's a little bit tricky. God also gives works through His grace. Works are the fruit of our faith. Faith is the fruit that God has loved us, that He has chosen us, and that He has done a work inside of us. That's literally what verse 4 tells us. Look at James. James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Without a corroborating, vindicating works, any claim to faith is disingenuous. It is dead faith. That's what James 2.26 tells us. Works are not the cause of our justification, but are the consequence of our justification. No amount of faith is justifying faith unless it is accompanied by obedience. We must have an obedient faith. That's the faith Paul is talking about here. Let me... Let me make this simple for us. Let me make this simple. At Calvary, I have to put cookies on a bottom shelf a lot. I have to think about it the way I think about things. When we truly believe something, when we truly believe there is always an action that goes along with what we believe. Like if you believed you had all the lottery ticket numbers, guess what you'd probably do? I'm just saying. There would be an action. I'm not judging you. I'm not. But if you believe something, there is going to be an action that shows what you believe. All right. Even if what you believe is wrong, there'll be actions. Let me share something with y'all. When I was six years old, now listen, let's just, I'm going to go ahead and stop right now. I am not, I was not, especially at six years old, the brightest crayon in the Crayola box. Okay, I was more like a gray without the wrapper. 
I just I want you all to understand that right right now, okay? When I was six years old, I believed something. I believed I could ride my bicycle with my eyes closed. I mean, I really believed that I could ride my bicycle with my eyes closed. And because I believed that, do y'all know what happened? If there was a belief, there was a what? There's an action. So guess what I did? My dad, his last day of kindergarten, my dad picked me up early from school. We were going to go meet my mom for lunch. He had my older brother Brad in the truck. He pulls up to the house, says, don't get out. I was also a very disobedient child. <laughs> I mean, real disobedient. First thing I did, dad goes in the house, he's going to change clothes. I jump out, grab the bike out of the garage. What do I do? Up. Listen, I'm from East Tennessee. Like, y'all think y'all got here hills around here? No. You ain't got no hills. Them ain't hills. Pebbles don't roll down those. I go up to the top of the tallest hill in my neighborhood. Right? I get up there. I go to the top of the driveway on the top of the hill in the neighborhood. Why? Because I believed. And I get up there. And like I couldn't even ride my bike up this hill. I was like not in the best shape also as a six-year-old, okay? I didn't want to like pedal up hills and things. Going down, oh, I can do this. This works. So I get up to the top of this hill, and I throw my leg over that little huffy. And you don't know, man, I think I twist the throttle on it. I'm ready to go. And I'll never forget, I'm looking down this hill. And again, I wasn't real smart. I remember this hill was probably... It looked to me when I was a kid, I still remember it, this hill had to have been like four miles long. No. This hill may have been 500 yards long, which is still a big hill, man. It was steep. But I didn't even pick a straight hill. There was a turn in it. Okay, like, I was testing my faith, Jake. I am testing this belief. So I get up here, and I throw, I'm on this bicycle, and I close my eyes, and I'll never forget, I've got it all envisioned out. All right, man, it's going to be like 45 hard pedals. I'm going to be flying. It's going to be a slight left lean, and we're going to go all the way through it. And I got on that bicycle, and I pumped them huffy pedals as hard as I could pump them coming down that hill. And I had my eyes closed, and I envisioned, all right, I'm at the turn, 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 bam! I caught, now I'm from the 90s, right? Like this was 1990 when this happened. Vehicles were made of metal in these days, okay? Like, they don't even make stuff out of metal anymore. I caught my face on an ornamental iron mailbox. Like, they used, this is before we had, like, the big guns, man. This was one of the stick-welded ones. Yeah, buddy. They burned the good rods to hold this thing together. I caught this thing with my face. It stopped me. In a hurry. I don't remember anything after that point. This is where other people started believing things and also taking actions. Apparently, I get up. I walk myself back to the house. I ring the doorbell. My brother comes down the stairs, opens up the door. My nose is hanging off the side of my face. There are bubbles 
coming out every time I breathe. I want y'all to look. I do not have a nose to this day. I want y'all to understand my nostrils don't match, people. They don't. I believed I could ride this bicycle with my eyes closed. I ring the doorbell. My brother believes I've been shot in the face. That's what he believes. He runs upstairs. He's on his hands and knees praying in the kitchen because he thinks I've been shot. My dad runs by and he's like, oh, this is bad, bad. You know what my dad believes? My dad believes he's better than the ambulance. So you know what he does? He just grabs a dish rag, sticks the dish towel all the way in my face, throws me in the back of an S10 pickup truck, and drives me to the hospital. Some of y'all have never had your face ripped off, kids, and had a dish towel thrown over your head, and put in the back of an S10 pickup, and drove to a hospital, and it shows. You would be tougher if that had happened to you. We were built different. I promise you that. So there were lots of beliefs that happened in this story. There were lots of actions that happened in this story. The next thing I remember, I wake up, there are bright lights everywhere, and there is a doctor. And I, I, listen, I still to this day think it's probably Michael Jordan. This man was like 6'7", I'm not even lying. He was the biggest surgeon I have ever seen in my whole entire life. And he has my nose in his hand, and he's shaking it back and forth. Like this right here, from like under eye to under eye. And they had to do plastic surgery and all kinds of stuff on my face. And I ended up having like 70 stitches in my face. Why? Because I believed I could ride a bicycle with my eyes closed. I took action upon my belief. Even though it was a lie. Even though it was wrong. How much more, how much more church should we take action on what we believe when we are trusting Christ? How much more should the works be in our lives because we know the truth? Let me show you something right here. The church in Thessalonica didn't just believe in God. But the church in Thessalonica, they believed God. They believed God. They believed what He said was truth. How do we know this? Because actions were taken. Let's look at verses 6-9 through nine real quick. Look what He says. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. Paul is literally saying, 
I ain't even got to come back over there because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That is encouraging. That is good. Church, because they believed, there are actions. There are works because of what God has done inside of them. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you have a faith that works? Has God given you a faith that works? The next thing I want us to see, and I'm trying to hurry, I promise you. The next thing that I want us to see right here is that God has given them a love that labors. They have a love that labors. They labor because of God's love. On our own, you and I are incapable of love. We do not have the capacity to love because of our sinful state. But God has chosen to love us. He has loved us while we were yet sinners. He has loved us while we were enemies of the cross. While we were strangers to the Gospel. God loved us. He has now done a supernatural work inside of us and He has given us love. His love. Now I'm not talking about phileo love. We're not talking about a brotherly love here. We're not talking about an eros love that a man has with a woman. We are talking about God's agape love. I'm going to make this real quick for us. Church, God loves you. And because God loves you, you are to labor in that love. Love your body. Church, love these ones that are sitting up front. Teach them the things of our Lord and Savior. Guys, listen, the love I'm talking about, I'm talking about that sacrificial giving type of love. I'm talking about that self-denying love. I'm talking about that missionary sending love. I'm talking about that missionary who leaves his home, leaves everything he's known, and moves across the world to share a gospel. That is the love that I'm talking about. Church, do we have that love? Let me make this a little bit simpler for y'all. I'm talking about that team kid on Wednesday night love. Do we got some of that? I'm talking about that host home at D-Now love. Do we got some of that? I'm talking about that... VBS love. Guys, that's a hard one. 
are you laboring because of what God has done inside of you? When is the last time, when is the last time you picked one of these kids up or you took another fellow saint and y'all went over here to 1880 or 22 or whatever it is? I don't know. And y'all just got a cup of coffee and you asked them how their day was. When's the last time you talked to another person, another, a fellow saint here in the church, one of these kids, and just took them over to Mallard's and y'all ate and shared a meal together? When's the last time you made a casserole for someone who was sick and delivered that to them? and listen to the struggle that they were going through. When's the last time you wept with another member of this church? When's the last time you rejoiced with another member of this church? We labor because of God's love. Now the third thing, and this is the last thing I want us to see this morning, and I know the squirt guns are about to come out, and I'm going to get in trouble. But I want us to know this. We have a steadfastness because of our hope. We have a steadfastness because of our hope. I want us to understand something. Hope is not just a wishful thinking. Hope is not based on dreams or on fantasies, but rather it is based upon the promise of God. Why do we have hope? Because we have the promise of God. I want you to understand something this morning. Hope is an assured outcome. Hope is a guaranteed outcome. Guys, the church of Thessalonians, Thessalonica... They believed this. How do I know they believed this? Because every preacher who's ever preached a funeral has been to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and used the instructions that Paul gave them. That's one of the things they were confused about. They were confused about when the return of Christ was going to happen. You see, Paul had come, he had preached this gospel, they had believed, but then some of them had begun to die before Christ had returned. And they were kind of confused a little bit about that. So Paul is writing back to instruct them what is going on. Because they believed Christ was, his return was soon, because it was imminent. Guess what they did? They labored in love. They worked because of their faith. And they had a patience because of their hope. Now look at me. I said hope is an assured outcome. It is a guaranteed outcome. We need to understand this is something that we don't have in this world. This is something that we do not see here. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe anyone in this room is foolish enough to truly trust the government. At least you better not be. But I promise you, no government will give you a guaranteed outcome. 
You better not be hoping in that. Now, some of you may be hoping in your jobs. Some of you may be hoping in the money that you have. But let me tell you something. That'll burn and that will go away. That can all be gone. Children, there's a lot of senior girls sitting in this thing right here. There are senior guys over there too. And let me tell you all something right now. Some of you are going to hope in your education. But let me tell you something right now. Your education, that may open doors for you on this world, but it does nothing in eternity. Now, I know all you teacher moms are mad at me for saying it, but my wife's a principal too, and I understand. Do not put your hope in your education. Do not put your hope in your job. Do not put it in the government. Do not put it in your abilities. Every child in Memphis is going to be a Memphis Grizzly. They all either going to be rappers or in the NBA. I, plan, I worked in the inner city of Memphis planting churches for 12 years. Every one of these kids, that's their plan. That's their ticket. Do not hope in your own abilities. My dad not only used to throw very seriously injured children in the back of S10 pickup trucks, but he also gave advice. And my dad gave me a piece of advice one time. Here's the advice he gave me. I'll close with this. He said, son, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That is the absolute worst advice I've ever gotten in my whole entire life. Church, this morning I'm going to tell you something right now. You better put your whole hen house in Jesus' basket. Do y'all understand that? He is the only sure hope that you have. This morning I ask you this right here, church. Are you, are there works of faith in your life? Do you have a faith that works? Do you have a love that labors? Is your love laboring? And is your hope in Christ and in Christ alone, do you have a single hope? Let me pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we love you. God, we praise you. God, I thank you for these saints here. God, I pray that you would build them. Lord, you would build them up in you. God, that you would sanctify them. And God, that they would reach Huntington, God, I pray that they would reach Carroll County. Lord, that they would reach all of West and Middle Tennessee. God, not for their name's sake, but God, for your glory. Lord, give them faith that they will work for you. God, grant them love that they will labor for your glory. God, assure them of their hope that you can be trusted, that all your promises are always true. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.